We started a conversation last week around the work of virtual assistants. Now, it's a great career option for someone looking for flexibility and control over the work. But the question is, can we really make a profitable career out of this? That's what we're talking about today. My name's Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, and this is episode 141. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks, a show where we talk about the many different ways that we can thrive in our careers, no matter if it's our second, third, or fourth one even. Today, we have a slightly longer episode than usual because in reality, we have a treat. We get two episodes in one today. So first off, as promised, We are continuing our conversation around virtual assistants, and we started this last week with the episode with Janice Dallager. Today, we are chatting with Kathy Guggenauer, who is a trainer, a trainer extraordinaire for virtual assistants, or VAs for short. So with her, we get to really dig into how you can make this work happen. How do you start? Where do you start? How do you position yourself? How do you price? How do you market and sell your services and so on? But Kathy also has an interesting career pivot story. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you will know that I am a sucker for a good career change story anytime. So I'm not about to miss the opportunity to get into the real story behind her career change. So Kathy left a corporate career when she realized that it wasn't moving in the direction she wanted it to be. So of course, I wanted to find out why and how and all that kinds of good stuff. So the first part of our conversation is about her career change, how it came about and how she made that happen. And then for the second part of the conversation, Kathy puts on her virtual expert trainer hat and gives us a lot of practical tips about how to start a profitable VA career. So that's what's coming up. But first... Inside Briefing Notes, the 39th edition is a longevity issue, and the main topic that we are exploring is this idea of a wellness sabbatical. Uh, So we've all heard the common instruction to fully disconnect from work when we take those precious vacation days, like the one or two weeks off, right? And I'm sure you have seen or are very familiar with those rolling of the eyes or the shaming looks that we get when we pull out our laptops or tech devices whenever we're on vacation. So the common advice is to disconnect fully. And this has been proclaimed as the advice to follow by everybody in the wellness space. But the reality is that for many of us, this is no longer viable. And this is where the concept of a wellness sabbatical comes in. Uh, Wellness sabbatical acknowledges that our time for recharging has gotten shorter and shorter through the years because of the need to work. If you think about it, we've gone from three-week vacations to one-week getaways to half-day spa retreats. So the need to balance the pursuit of wellness and the need to work is the central concept around wellness sabbaticals. 
The reality is starving these days requires a balance of work and wellness. We can't just, you know, go on vacation and forsake everything um, and then to get very frenzied back to work as soon as our vacation is over. So in a wellness sabbatical, you go through a program where these things are sort of integrated. And the best ROI of a well-planned wellness sabbatical is that we're going to be able to experience how achieving the balance really is doable even after the sabbatical has ended. In addition to this main thing on a newsletter, I just want to highlight three other things from this week's issue. Thing number one, our brains have an immune system and we can boost it. Now, we are all familiar with the physiological immune system that helps us fight viruses and germs and all that kinds of stuff. This article talks about our psychological immune system and how it can help it get stronger. New York Times writes about how we can attend to those aches and pains that come from working from home because the these so-called home offices that we have hastily assembled may not be suitable for long-term office work, right? And occupational therapists are warning and getting ready for a slew of neck and back pain as more and more of us uh, work from our couches and our sofas. And thing number three, a YouTube video on how to get rid of headaches or migraines in two minutes or less without meds. Now, I don't know how this works, but it does. So just go ahead and try it. To dig in further on these topics and the rest of this week's issue, head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash archive, and you're going to find the latest edition always at the top of the page. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to Briefing Notes. It's free, and when you subscribe, you get it in your inbox every Sunday. Like so many of us, Kathy Guggenauer started her professional career in corporate America working for a Fortune 500 company. You know, I'm a boomer. So back when boomers were growing up, we all thought that was the way to financial freedom, financial success, and financial security. She did what she thought she ought to be doing, following a prescribed path to career success. At some point, though, Kathy started feeling like the carrot that she was going after kept moving away from her grasp. About 16 years in, I went to my boss and I said, I'm not getting promoted anymore. What's going on? And he said, well, you don't have a master's, so you need to get that. So I did. I got an MBA two years later. So now I'm 18 years in, still no promotion. Somebody else got promoted, didn't have a master's. So I said, Okay, so got the master's. Now what's up? And he said, well, do you want to know the truth? And Lou, can you imagine? I'm thinking, what? You didn't already tell me the truth? I wasted two years to get a master's? And I said, yes, I would really like to know the truth. And he said, you laugh and smile too much. Yes. (laughs) Until you change that about yourself, you will never go anywhere in this company. And so I went back to my little cubicle and cried. And I really, really tried to wrap my head around how do I change who I am? Because, I mean, you could probably tell by looking at me, I'm not a normal human being. I wear a tiara every day. (laughs) I like to have fun and laugh. And luckily, I don't know where the courage came from, but I decided I wasn't going to change. 
that instead I was going to figure out something else I could do. And it took me six months to create a plan for myself, but I did. And my plan was to start my own business, which I did. And the business I actually started was a virtual assistant business. Now, I accidentally started that business. But I want to finish the story with that boss because when I went in and gave him my resignation, he said, oh, my gosh, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. You're never going to make this kind of money anywhere again. And I told him right then, I said, really, you don't know me like you think you do. I mean, he really thought he knew me. I said, I will make twice that amount. And so I set out to do that. And I did indeed do that. I made twice that amount working as a virtual assistant. And um, so I love I love that story because, you know, it goes to show you, you can do what you want. You can laugh and smile all you want. Have your own business. Have a great life. You don't have to buckle down and be in that job that really isn't a good fit for you because there are second breaks. And so in 2001, Kathy became a virtual assistant, specializing in the real estate industry. Using her prior experience in marketing from her corporate job, she used that to develop a specific focus in her VA work. I took my marketing experience and I used that to market real estate agents. And I became so good at getting clients and helping clients that I needed to add people to my team, VA subcontractors to do the work while I performed the project management end of it and the sales end of the business. And I had a very difficult time finding virtual assistants who had the level of skills and the traits I was looking for. So I began training them. And I was training them for free, Lou, for free, because I needed them so badly. (laughs) Because at that time, I had 70 clients and a waiting list of 15 more. And this is specializing in the real estate industry. That's right. Specializing in the real estate industry. And I specialized even more narrowly than just in the real estate industry. I specialized marketing for real estate agents, which meant like blog writing, writing their flyers, writing their websites, doing marketing for them. And so once I began training these women and they're just like, oh, this is great. I love doing this. And my business continued to grow. It dawned on me, why am I doing, why am I training for free? I should charge people for this. And so I began creating my own training program on the side as I still ran my VA business. And then 2008 hit. And if you remember 2008, the real estate market just flattened out. So I went from 70 clients to 25 clients in 30 days. And I thought, well, I know I can still do this. I have my training written. Should I test it and see if it really works? And so I did. I put my own training to the test, went through my own training process. And in 30 days, I pivoted pivoted from being a real estate VA to being a professional speaker's VA. So instead of doing marketing for real estate agents, I began doing marketing for professional speakers. And I had a full practice in 30 days working for professional speakers. And so then I knew, hoo-hoo, I have something here. 
And I started marketing my training program. And from 2008 until now, I've trained hundreds of women and five men. So today, do you still do VA work or you're concentrated in the online academy, VA academy? Yeah. So there came a point where I needed to make a decision. Do I turn over my VA business to somebody else to run? Um, because I couldn't do both. Do I stay just being a VA or do I decide that this training training and coaching is really where I want to focus? And I decided that I really wanted to focus on the training and coaching because I discovered that while I really enjoy being a VA, my passion, my true mission in life is to help women who were in the situation I was in or in similar situations become the superhero of their own success, to take that second break, to have the courage to do it, to have the know-how to do it. Basically, you closed the VA service business. I, I sold that business and I had actually created another business because one of the things that people don't know who haven't gone into the VA industry is that you learn so much about building a business, about running a business, and you see other people's businesses from the inside out who are your clients that you you just become an amazing business owner and then you can create any kind of business you want so i had created another business um, that was a membership site for real estate agents in between doing all of this and i ran that one for four years in addition to my va business and sold it for a profit and then when I decided to stop being a virtual assistant, I sold that business also. Gotcha. So the academy, the VA, am I calling it correctly? So it is not just for uh, VAs wanting to concentrate on real estate or speakers industry. It's for any kind of industry. Yes. Yes. I What I specifically teach, I don't teach skills because, <laughs> Lou, you know this. Gen Xers, boomers, we have skills. We have experience. We don't need to learn more skills. But what most of us don't have, what I didn't have, even after 18 years in a Fortune 500 company, was how to build a business of my own. And I call it something very simplistic because it, it just resonates with people. I teach people how to find, get, and keep clients. Because if you know how to do that as a virtual assistant, you will never be without work again. Yeah, absolutely. So the 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 coaching training uh, that you do now is all online or is it in person? How do you deliver it? It is all online. Thank goodness in COVID. <laughs> yeah, it is all online. And in case anybody's interested in the details, you know, I like to share details. I built my entire membership site on Kajabi. So everything runs on Kajabi. And I have an evergreen training program, which means I don't do launches. I don't stop and start it. When you're ready to join, it's there ready for you to join. The day you join, you jump right in and um, you begin learning and you can begin earning right away also. Isn't there like a virtual assistant academy? And then there's another thing, a mass. There's another thing. I forget the term. What I own, what I've created, it's called virtual expert training. Yeah. 
And I coined that phrase and, in fact, trademarked that phrase, virtual expert, because the term virtual assistant has become a commodity. You can get a virtual expert from overseas for $5 an hour. You can get a virtual assistant from the U.S. for $10 an hour. And most of them don't provide the level of service that you might want if you need them to do higher level things. So what I recommend doing is having at least one virtual expert on your team because that is a higher level VA who has specialized, who is an expert in what she does, and who instead of being an expense to your bottom line, will be a profit generator for your bottom line. Okay, so that takes care of Kathy's career reinvention story. And from here on, our conversation shifted to focus on the virtual assistant role. First off, I wanted to level set the definition, like nail it down, right? What exactly is a virtual assistant? Because I hear so many different terms used in the industry. Sometimes I hear VAs referred to as project managers, sometimes business operations managers. Some say their VAs are like their social media manager. So I asked Kathy to define the virtual assistant work for us. Where does it begin? Where does it end? The actual technical IRS term is independent contractor or a W-9, okay? Independent contractor W-9. Um, so the difference that I see, number one, and I have done a lot of research, I have talked to a lot of business owners, and of course, I have been in this industry myself exclusively since 2001. So the differences I see, when people think of a virtual assistant, to them, that per- that perception is, that person is a general admin, a general admin. And you need general admins too, right? So if you want a general admin, look for a virtual assistant and you're going to want to pay them what the average rate for a virtual assistant based in the U.S., Canada, uh, or any other English-speaking country is $15 to $25 per hour. And it is pretty much capped at $25 per hour because that is the perceived value for a general admin virtual assistant. Now, when you specialize which I highly recommend you do because it is very difficult to get work when you are generalist. No, nobody knows what to tell people that you do, right? When you specialize, that is when you can earn more. That's when you go above that cap of $25 an hour. And you can earn anywhere on the average from $45 an hour and up, depending on the area you're specializing in and how in demand it is. So when you were talking about a social media manager, if they are a generalist and they do any kind of social media, a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of LinkedIn, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, they're going to earn about $35 an hour, maybe $45 if they're good. But if they specialize even further, and if you can think of this in the way that you think of doctors, There's that general practitioner, right? And then there's the specialist. There's the plastic surgeon. There's the ear, nose, and throat guy, okay? They're all doctors, but they've gone higher. They've become a higher level doctor 
by specializing. And the more difficult what they've specialized in is, the more they get paid. So brain surgeons are going to make more than a general practitioner, right? And that's how virtual assistants are, which, by the way, I call them virtual experts when they go through my program. So that designates them as an even higher level immediately. And I certify them so that people who come and hire somebody who's a certified virtual expert, they know what they're getting. They're getting someone who has gone through my training program and has taken that next step even higher than a VA. So give you a specific example. If you're a really good writer, really there's no limit to how much you can earn as a writer. And call yourself a virtual assistant, a virtual expert. But honestly, if you don't call yourself a copywriter when you're at that level, you're never going to earn that amount of money. If you say I'm a VA who happens to do writing, $25 an hour. If you say I'm a virtual expert who happens to do writing, $45 an hour. If you say I am a copywriter and I can give you proven results of what I've accomplished, you can make $100 an hour and up. And there is no limit because a really good writer can make you a lot of money. <laughs> When you were using the analogy of the doctors, the general practitioner versus the brain surgeon or whatever, it, it makes sense, right? Because we're so familiar to the specialists being more uh, highly skilled and usually more expensive services, right? H however, I do know that sometimes when we're talking about the stuff that we're talking about, there's this, um, I don't know what the term is, but it's it's counterproductive to think like, but if I specialize myself, that means I have less clients. But if I am a journalist, I have more clients. But what you're saying is it's actually counterproductive. That's right. And believe me, I fight against that stereotype all the time. And, and you know, Lou, those are people who really don't understand how marketing works, how uh, people think. Because I will tell you that when I started my VA business and I called myself a virtual assistant, I struggled to earn $15 an hour. Okay. And when and then I had this brilliant idea that I would call myself a marketing consultant. And that I couldn't even get a client because guess what? People don't want real estate agents don't want a marketing consultant. Consultant means you tell them what to do, not that you do the work. So so then I finally found a coach <laughs> who said, "Okay, here's what you need to do. You need to charge the most that anybody in your specialty is charging. And then people will see you as the best and they will hire you. And at first I thought, oh, this woman's crazy. And she said, are you the best at what you do? And I said, well, that I know of, right? There's probably other people out there as good as me. But yes, I am very, very good at what I do. She said, then raise your rates. So I raised my rates to $75 an hour, which was $10 more than my competitor's. And guess what happened? That's when my business absolutely skyrocketed. You know, I I, uh, I know a business uh, coach who says that the there is a story behind your pricing uh, and that your pricing is as much a positioning strategy as anything else. So there, oh, you absolutely. Know, there's that. Yeah, there is a story. <laughs> I totally agree with that. So I know somebody who... Um, calls herself a VA, but she also, she's very good at 
Um, you know, when people have webinars and when they do online coaching or teaching, she does a very good job with the um, managing the chatter that happens on the at the same time with the with the webinars and she so she does a good job of facilitating the conversations that's happening or managing that you know and I was telling her you should like promote that part of yourself more than just the general VA part because you know not all VAs can probably do that she could call herself a virtual event manager yeah And so here's my tip. Like a lot of people are like, okay, so how do people find me if I'm not calling myself a VA, but I'm calling myself a virtual event manager? Okay, two things. One is virtual event manager is also a keyword, right? People are looking for people to manage virtual events, especially now with COVID. Another thing is you don't exclude the term virtual assistant. You include that in a way that you say. If you're looking for a virtual assistant and you want someone who specializes in virtual event management, you have found her or something like that, right? Or you could say, I am a virtual event manager, not to be confused with a virtual assistant. So you still have that keyword in there. So they will still find you, but you are identifying yourself as a specialist. And that will immediately increase your value. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Mind blown. Okay, so let's talk about specific experiences or characteristics that make someone a good candidate for this role. Could this be you? So first, I'm just going to give you the really basic ones. And then I'm going to give you three that make them um, have the ability to earn the top dollar. Okay. So the first ones you have to have, no matter if you're a general admin or not. And then the last three I'll give you are those that you have to have it in order to be able to command the higher dollars. So the first ones are, these are for all generals um, and everybody. You must be detail oriented. You must be organized and you must be interested in working in a chair or standing at a desk behind a computer. Uh, oddly, Lou, there are people out there who, when I tell them that, they're like, oh, I, what about my lunch with my girlfriends and doing my laundry and taking care of my kids? And I'm like, no, you actually have to work, you know, put in hours. The money doesn't just automatically come to you. So you have to like that. And if you have those three things, you're you're in. I mean, basic computer skills like literally, Lou, I am still to this day terrible at everything technology. I mean, you probably saw me fumbling with my mic when we got started. I know how to turn my computer on. And if it gives me the blue screen of death, which it did yesterday, I know how to turn it off and turn it back on. And that's about it. But I do know how to email and how to do Google research. If you know how to do that, Um, how to use either Microsoft Office or Google Drive, and those are very easy to learn if you don't. That's it. That's what you need to be a general admin. Now, the three things that you need, and again, I know this from talking with thousands of business owners across the world. These are the three things that if you have these, they want to pay you more. In fact, 
they will beg and cry for you. <laughs> because I have literally had people say, I didn't know these people even existed until you told me. <laughs> so, and these are virtual experts, okay? Number one, professional. You know how to run a business. You know how to have a conversation. You know how to onboard clients. You know how to write your contract or review their contract. Okay, you know how to work in a professional manner. Number two, proactive. And this is where that profit generating comes in. When you see something that your client is doing that you know you could ha you have a way to help them save money, you tell them about it. If you know something that they could be doing that could earn them more money, you share that with them. And that is so opposite of what people are used to from the corporate world. In the corporate world, you have a job description and you better stick to it. And we don't care about your opinions on anything, right? Sometimes you get dinged for having too many opinions and sharing them. Exactly, exactly. So that's why, even though somebody like me who came from the corporate world and I had my degrees and I had my experience, I still didn't know how to work and be successful as a virtual expert until I learned these things. So be proactive. And if you need me to give you examples of that, I can. And then the third one is be a problem solver. Do not go ask your clients what their password is. Do not go ask your clients, how do I log in? How do I fix this software problem? What has just gone wrong with this? You figure it out. You can Google it. And if you're a member of a community like mine with hundreds of people who specialize, you ask in our community because they're going to be able to help you. So that's it. Professional, proactive problem solving. There's one last piece of this puzzle that I really wanted to tackle, which for some may be the thing that stops them from pursuing this role, especially if you're coming from the corporate world and you haven't been quote unquote out there. So let's talk about the selling piece and specifically marketing and selling ourselves. This business attracts introverts because we get to be behind the scenes. We get to be that support person, not that front facing person. But you are absolutely right. We still do have to sell ourselves and market ourselves. So not only are people afraid of selling, they're afraid of marketing because they're afraid of getting out there. That's why I don't call it selling or marketing. I call it finding, getting, and keeping clients. Because how much softer and easier does that sound yeah. than marketing and selling? The other thing then I teach is First of all, you can do anything you want to do. Let's get uncomfortable because you're going to be fabulous. You're going to make plenty of money. We do a lot of mindset work. And then secondly, the way I teach them how to find getting deep clients is I teach them how to demonstrate their value, not how to sell mm -hmm. themselves, how to demonstrate their value. And they, the easiest way to do that is to become curious about the person you're talking with. So Lou, instead of me coming on here and saying, Lou, you really need a virtual expert and I'm going to tell you a million reasons why, I would say, Lou, what, what are you ideally trying to achieve? What do you think a VA might be able to help you achieve? And then I'd listen and I take notes and I ask further probing questions to find out any additional details that I need to know. And 
I problem solve what's going on with your business as far as what I as a virtual expert can do to help you. And if I discover that what you need isn't what I specialize in, then I can offer to refer you to somebody who you can work with that does specialize in that. And at the end, this is what I teach the people when they're thinking about joining my program and they're hesitant for that very reason you're saying, that's usually the reason, but I don't want to sell. And I know I would have to sell. I say, okay, could you have a conversation with someone where you just ask them about themselves, about their business? You actually have written out questions. I write, I've written out these questions for them so they know what to ask if they get stumped. And then at the end of the conversation, if you've decided, yes, I would really like to work with this person, I feel like I can really help them problem solve. The only thing you need to ask is, would you like to know what our next step is? Hmm. I like that question. There's no pressure. No. There's no pressure to sell. There's no pressure to That's close. Right. There's no, it's just like very natural question. Yeah. Because nobody wants to be sold to anymore, right? I mean, that feeling of being sold to, nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to hear it. And introverts, oh, they, there's no way they're going to be able to do it. But introverts do like to have friends. So that's the other thing is we talk about building relationships. And um, I mean, somebody might be listening and say, oh, those are just words and those are just semantics. But speaking as, a, as an introvert, they sound very different in my ears, in my brain. Like even when you say we're looking, I'm, I'm looking to find clients is very different, feels very different than marketing and selling. Um, so what do you think about this common advice, Kathy, to just offer your services for free in the beginning? It depends on where you are. And let me give some, some um, examples. Most of the people that are your target market on this podcast they do not need to offer anything for free. Okay. <laughs> they are already professionals. They're already, they've already had a lot of experience. They already have a lot that they can give. Okay. Um, but if they choose to offer something less, it can be free. It can be a reduced price. My recommendation is to write up a contract just as if you're charging your full price. Right. Identify how much you're going to charge for what length of time and what you expect in return. OK, so even if you're going to do and I like to call it a free internship, right, even if you're going to do a free internship for somebody to learn something that you don't know how to do yet. So, for example, when I bought Kajabi, I wanted somebody to learn how to do it and when you work with virtual experts, you don't pay them for their training time. They're independent contractors. They learn on their own time, okay? So I reached out to one of the virtual experts in my group and I said, I know you like tech. I think you would like this new Kajabi. Would you be interested in being a free intern for me for 30 days? You can go in and learn, and I'll start giving you some work to do while you're learning. So she didn't have to buy Kajabi herself. And I don't know if you've priced Kajabi, but it isn't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> 
She didn't have to buy it herself. And in turn, I had her write up a contract for me because, you know, she's also one of my students. So I was teaching her also write up a contract that you're going to do this work for free for 30 days. At the end of that period of time, your price will increase too. And then we negotiated. At that time, she agreed to 25 an hour. And then after that, it'll be up to you, um, VA, to let me know when you feel like you, you want another raise. Because, you know, I'm not her boss. I don't give her raises. She comes to me and says, my prices have increased. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's today, how that's you do the trial yeah. sort of if you want to try yes. something out initially. Gotcha. Yeah. And in addition to putting in there when that zero price begins and ends, you also put in there what you want from the client. So, for example, um, in exchange for this 30 days of free service, you agree to provide me with a testimonial if you feel like I did a good job, right? And the opportunity to grow into a paid position, and in fact, you know, I, I highly recommend, for example, already putting in there, if after 30 days, we agree to continue working together, my price automatically increases to $25 an hour on this date. So that person, her name was Corey. And today she is earning, I think she's at $75 an hour now. Um, and she primarily, primarily works on package pricing on, on project rates. So another person, her name's Allie, and she came to me with an MFA. So she had a master's in writing. Brilliant writer. At her corporate job, they had her doing bookkeeping. She hated it. So she said, I want to leave this job. I need to totally replace my income before I can because I have a little boy and I'm a single parent. So we put together a plan. And her goal was to quit in a year. And in seven months, she had replaced her income. She knew how good she was at writing, but she didn't know how to work her own business yet. She didn't know how to work with clients yet. So I taught her how to do that. And while she was doing that, instead of charging 95 an hour, which is what she charges now, she started out charging 35 an hour with an automatic increase in 90 days to 45 an hour. So she had a built-in raise in there. That allowed her to get clients right away with her telling them the truth. Hey, I'm a really good writer, but I don't have the experience to prove it to you yet. So if you'll take a chance on me, you get me at a greatly discounted rate for 60 days, 90 days, whatever you want to put in the contract, and then it goes up to 45 an hour. And that's how I teach most people who aren't already incredibly knowledgeable at how to do this. Now, there are people who are at the opposite end who are way undercharging right now. And those are the ones that I say, you've been a VA for 10 years. You're working full time and you're only making $35,000 an hour. What are you charging? And they tell me $35 an hour. How can I possibly earn more? And I'm like, I want you to immediately raise your rate to $55 an hour. And they always gasp. Then I'm like, okay, the very next client you have, that prospect you have, tell them 55 an hour and see what happens. And they come back to me and go, they didn't even blink an eye. I can 
So I, I could totally relate to that story. But yes, it, the funny thing is, I mean, I'm sure they're probably thinking the only way for me to earn more is to have more clients, but there's only so many hours in the day. And so how can I? And there are many, many ways as a virtual expert to scale a business and earn 300000 500000 whatever you want. Kathy has put together a special page for us. So if you're thinking that this work, becoming a virtual assistant, or better yet, a virtual expert, is something that you might like to explore further, Kathy has put together a special page for Second Breaks listeners. If you go to virtualexperttraining.com forward slash Second Breaks, you're going to find three different resources to help you see if this is something that you'd like to do and then get started. Of course, I'm going to put a link to this on the show notes for this episode as well. As we wrapped up our conversation, I asked Kathy what she's looking forward to the most these days. I'm looking forward to so many things. Um, oh, wow. you're going to make me cry. Um, getting to see my grandchildren and hug them without worrying about anything. Yeah, I have six grandchildren and um, we really have not seen them at all during this time. And I miss them. Thank goodness for Facebook and Zoom and all of those things because, you know, we can still communicate that way. But it, it, it's just not the same, of course. Well, Cassie, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the show and sharing all your brilliance and candidness with me. I so appreciate it so much. Oh, you are very welcome. I, I'm one of your peeps. I'm a boomer, so well, I'm super excited yes, to have exactly. you and your awesome <laughs> podcast, too. So thank you very much thank for providing this much-needed podcast. I hope you found this conversation with Kathy Guggenauer insightful and motivating. Lots of ideas, suggestions, lots of tips to parse out in this episode and lots of links too. So head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast to get the links and the highlights of this episode. Next week, we're going to turn our lens on the world of podcasting. I'm so excited about these conversations. First with Sean McMullen, who is one of the co-founders of Yellow House Media. He's going to give us a peek behind the curtains of podcast production. And then the week after that, I'll be joined by Jared Morris, who will share his experience as a podcast host. The best way not to miss those episodes is to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that using whatever app it is that you're on right now as you're listening to this podcast. Or if you happen to be listening to this on the website, if you look right around the audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. One final ask, if you enjoyed this episode or you like listening to the podcast, please share it with your friends. Tell them about this episode or tell them about season four. It helps tremendously when you spread the word about Second Breaks. Okie dokie, I'll be back next week with Sean McMullen. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your debt, my friend. Cool beans.